On today's episode, we have Brandon Acker, president of Titan Abrasive. We discuss the industry shift in abrasive blasting, product maintenance, and unique applications he has worked on. Without further ado, enjoy the show. This podcast is sponsored by Promus Incorporated, the leading provider of fully electric servo presses for manufacturing. Promus provides global support for pressing and motion control applications in multiple industries. With precise positioning and in-process force monitoring, your company will begin to see ROI on day one. Call 810-229-9334 or email sales at promisinc.com to speak with an expert engineer about your application today. Hey guys, welcome to Manufacturing Unscripted. I'm your host, Matt Rawl. And I'm your co-host, Lauren. Today we are joined with Brandon Acker from Titan Abrasives. Hey, Brandon, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before before the show, and uh, um, I learned some new things just in our short conversation. So um, I'm really eager to learn more about what you're doing with Titan Abrasives. Um, but before we get to that, uh, being a first-time guest, I, I'd love to know more about your journey uh, through manufacturing and kind of how you got to where you are today. So could you share a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, yeah, well, it started, I guess, when uh, when I – I was tinkering with stuff when I was a little kid. I've always into, been into fixing things, making things work. Um, it was a family business. My uncle actually started Titan back in the 50s. Um, so as a little kid, I always was around the shop working, building building sandblast valves. <laughs> um, then I kind of took a took a lead from that as I got older, went to college, kind of went to the West Coast, um, you know, kind of did, did my own thing for a while, uh, and then came knowing I could come back and, you know, came back to the to the manufacturing world and it's just something I've always been passionate about and liked and enjoyed making things. I like making, uh, you know, having a product that you can make, make from scratch and you can, uh, you know, do whatever you want with it, you know, make, make it better, improve on it, change it, um, make unlimited amounts of them has always kind of fascinated me. Um, so it's something I've, I've really enjoyed, um, and have done for you know, quite, quite a while. Um, I had the opportunity back in, in 2013 to, um, to take over Titan, um, from, my cousin, my uncle had passed away. And it went to my cousin, and then my uh, I was able to to buy it out from my cousin and kind of split ways and, and take over. Um, and have done done a lot since then. Kind of redid our whole uh, our whole product line and uh, brought us kind of into into the future. Changed things. With manufacturing seems like a um, you know an old industry, but it's a lot of technology. We were doing things an old way, and you know keeping up with times and you know robots and uh, welding and lasers and uh, 3D uh, modeling and all has, has come a long way. So now we're, we're, we're up with the times and uh, trying to innovate as much as we can. So it's been a journey. And a last fun time, uh, last time we were talking with you, you were in Costa Rica. How was your travels back? It was, it was good. Yeah. Okay. It was, uh, good. It was a nice time. Well, welcome change from Pennsylvania. We're at, uh, yeah. Pennsylvania had like a four degree Christmas and uh, Costa Rica had an 80 degree Christmas. <laughs> That's <laughs> so the was, difference. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, welcome change from this uh, from this climate. And then um, I think you mentioned your your background is mechanical engineering, correct? Um, a, a little bit, a, a little, little bit. bit. My my, uh, my background is, is is an odd one. Um, yeah. My 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 schooling is in communication. Okay. That's what actually what I went to college for. Yep. Um, <clears throat> the the building things is just something I like to yep. do and always have. What's it been like kind of taking that that presidential role and kind of 
having to deal with all the different facets of the company at this point? Um, it's been <laughs> more, more, more work than I ever thought yeah. it would be. <laughs> um, you hear about like the work, but never can, uh, really all, I think everyone under, underestimates it, the, the nonstop work and taking on wearing, wearing 10 hats all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I kind of equate like running a business to being a parent. So you never like stop worrying about it. You know, you never turn off. Like if, even if your kid goes to sleep, you know, you're still constantly thinking about it. And I feel like that's how it is with the business. Yes. That, that's a good analogy. And it is like, people think, ah, oh, you're on vacation. Oh, you this. No, it, it, it's 24 seven. No. It never yeah. stops. I'm on vacation. I'm never on vacation. It's all, always working. The phone's always on. The computer's always there. My, my, the shutting off your head is like, I wish, mm-hmm. I wish you could unplug. Um, but no, it, it's something you're always thinking about. Um, like, like, like children, you know, you're sleeping, yep. but always waking up in the middle of the night thinking like, God, oh, did that ship? What's the, where's that part? Yep. Is that laid? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I keep a notepad next to my bed because I'm waking up in the middle of the night, writing things down. So, right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not it, easy. Yep. It's a 24 seven thing. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I guess let's, let's, let's just kind of like dive into it then, because I, I want to know more about Titan and, um, I, I made a mistake. I, I think in our, in our, when we had our first call of saying, you know, sandblasting, and I know that's not the term used anymore. It's abrasive blasting. Can you kind of share a little bit more on what um, what it's mean by abrasive blasting and kind of the purpose of it? And then maybe maybe talk a little bit briefly about why we don't say sandblasting anymore. Sure. And um, <clears throat> I think we do. The sandblasting term is just one that's been around, and it's one that everyone knows. Um, so I, I tend to to use it as well when when people ask, oh, what is it that you do? If I say you know, surface preparation, you know, abrasive air blasting. People are like, just get a glazed look on their face. Like, what? <laughs> if you say sandblasting, they, most people can kind of figure it out and, and have heard of it before. Um, and I guess it's just, you, the name's been around because that, that's what it was. It was sandblasting. Everyone used sand back, you know, a hundred years ago, you put sand in the machine and that's what you blasted with. Um, up in, I guess through the seventies, eighties, they were predominant media w- w- was sand. Um, until they figured out that it was not the best thing to be using, pretty harmful with the with the silica. You know, sand has a lot of silica base in it, um, which is fine when it's, you know, when you're on the beach and it's still that grain of sand, it's fine. It's not until it breaks down, whether it's cut or, you know, with blasting, it kind of explodes when it hits steel and then it goes into that dust and that's when it releases the silica. Um, and it's just not something you want to be breathing in. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think it got a bad rap from that was like everything. It was like smoking. You know, people used to sure. smoke and think it, and there was no problem with it. <laughs> as strange as that sounds now, why you would think inhaling smoke in your lungs would not have any detrimental <laughs> effects, but people did. Doctors did it. Now, I think it, it was, was fancy. Thing. You were really yeah. cool if you were a smoker. You were, you were super <laughs> cool if you were smoking. And I see all these like old ads too, like, oh, there was some funny gum you could chew. And they're like, oh, yep. no, just smoke all you want and just chew this gum and it takes away any of the effects. Like, yeah, strange. But that. <laughs> Kind of, kind of the same thing. And people, in the old days, there wasn't the PPE that we have today. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it, that silica becomes an issue when you're breathing it in. Now mm-hmm. today with the PPE we have, it, I don't think it ever, if we just started using sand today. I don't think it would have been the problem that it was because with the PPE people aren't, you're not breathing it yeah. in. But back then it was just, you know, the guy out there blasting away with sand with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and mm-hmm. blasting yep. away or they tie a bandana around them and oh, I'm fine, yeah. I'm fine. And it's, you know, day in and day out of doing that is not uh, is not something you want to be doing. Um, so it kind of got a, 
got a bad rap for that, and now it's just yeah, nobody nobody wants so, to talk about the sand. <laughs> what are we using now then? I guess in, in in as an alternate to sand. I know there's a couple different things that you guys use. Yeah, there, there's there's quite a few, um, and it's kind of I guess sand is the cheap one, which is why everyone yep. wanted to use it because they can literally get it off the beach mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if they want to. You know, sand's a cheap product. Um, but the medias that have come around since then are much, much better at what they do. Um, they're longer lasting. Sand is always sand. Um, you have a, a couple of mineral abrasives, um, coal slags um, that are just one-time use products. So mm-hmm. you put them in the machine, you use them, and they they explode. They break into dust, and yep. that's pretty much it. Now there's reclaimable medias, you know, so they've gotten much better, and it's the reclaimability of the media that really is what uh what you want in a machine and we, in, in our industries that's where you're going to you know get your roi save your money is reusing that material one you're not getting 100 pounds of sand turns into 100 pounds of dust and then you have mm-hmm. 100 pounds of dust to get rid of um if you're using say like steel shot steel shot or steel grit is kind of the king of medias you can use it 100 200 times over so if you have that 100 pounds of steel grit at the end of lasting you still have 100 pounds of steel grit to use and you're using it you know 200 times whereas you would have a lot of sand to get rid of um, so there's disposal costs in there um, but as far as the medias we have you know the steel steel grit steel shot glass bead um, then there's organics corn cob walnut shells um, baking soda is a big a popular one um crushed glass um aluminum oxide is really popular aluminum oxide is what you find on sandpaper mm-hmm. um it's a good thing to relate to when customers call not everyone knows about blasting or what they're what they're trying to achieve i always relate it to the sandpaper thing because a lot of people can can relate to that grit sizes are the same if you have like a, a 20 grit sandpaper it's going to be really coarse really rough remove a lot of material if you get up to like a 400 grit sandpaper super fine you almost put it on your hand and it doesn't do any damage um the grits are the, the media is the same way if you get a, a 20 30 40 grit it's going to be you know much more coarse and more aggressive on the product um, or with the steel, what you're blasting. Um, if you get up into the 100, 200, 400, they're almost like a powder. You can blast mm-hmm. and they do yep. uh, very little. So it depends on what you want to achieve. So they've gotten a lot more a lot more control over the medias and sizes and the different mm-hmm. kinds, depending upon what it is that you're, uh, you know, the results you want, the product, what what type of material you're, you're blasting um, and what you're trying to achieve, what sort of preparation you want to do to that. What is the big price difference between, um, so like your low-grade sand versus your high-grade there is a there's a pretty big price difference between yeah. the materials, but with you, if you assume that you're going to use that reuse it right two hundred times steel grit is not two hundred times the cost yeah. of sand. Yeah, you know it, maybe it's ten times the cost of sand, but you're going to mm-hmm. use it time, so you're going to make your money back quickly, and then mm-hmm. you're going to save that disposal cost, especially depending upon what you're blasting. You know, and if you're uh, you know if if it's deemed hazmat material, then you have, you know, a thousand pounds of hazmat sand to get rid of can be pretty costly. Uh, Let's dive a little bit more into that because I've, I have very little experience with sand, a sand blasting um, chamber. Um, And the maintenance on that was crazy. Um, And you talked about like the dust and the disposal, um, but I'm sure there's a lot more kind of in, in terms of that, product maintenance um, that maybe a lot of people don't think of when when you start to get into abrasive um, blasting? Uh, Can you you 
talk. You're more of the expert on me, so I want you to kind of talk on it, and then and then I'll tell you all my nightmares that I had. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maintenance is a big issue, uh, and the maintenance and the media media kind of go hand in hand. Um, there are medias that aren't very maintenance intense on our equipment, and there's some that are are very. Um, aluminum oxide is a very aggressive media, um, so it if you just think of what it's doing to the item you're blasting, if you're blasting a piece of steel and it just in seconds, it's removing any, you know, hard rust, mill scale, layers and layers of paint. It takes it off that quick. It's doing the same thing internally to the equipment, anywhere that that media is moving through at a high speed under that, under the air pressure and it's moving through, it's going to wear that, you know, through your hoses, your nozzles. Mm -hmm. Then when we reclaim it, if we're sucking it back up to get it back into our equipment, anywhere that's coming through at a high velocity, it's going to wear. Um, it's just kind of inevitable. Um, like I said, aluminum oxide being being the worst at wearing things out. Um, plastic, plastic media is the opposite. Plastic can be in machines for years and years and does no damage at all. Usually it just keeps it clean. You know, we'll, it will take the paint off if something like if we have a, a cyclone separator is something we use to reclaim the media. It basically just spins the media around mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a cyclone, lets the heavier reusable media fall out and sucks out the dust and debris. Well, if that cyclone's, you know, painted when it's new on the inside from that, you know, plastic moving around in there, it, it'll take the paint off, but it won't do much else. Just keep it clean in there. Aluminum oxide spinning around in there just starts to wear away the steel and eventually we'll, we'll eat right through it. Um, you... so sometimes we have to, we even rubber line them and put like a rubber lining inside to prevent that, that wear from happening, depending on the medias. Is it, is it a lot, is it a like a lot of things where the probably the most abrasive, the most effective thing is probably the one that's going to require the most maintenance potential. Yes. <laughs> so, yep. you know, it's the hard. risk versus um, reward type thing. Yeah, the faster it's going to remove, a, I guess it depends on what it is too because yep. plastic, plastic media works really well at what it's mm-hmm. doing. Like to take paint yep. off, it, it works great. It'll mm-hmm. take paint off, but it won't take rust off because it's softer. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a hard one because if, yeah. you're, if you're just looking to take paint off, then yeah, plastic does a, a good job of it and it won't cause any, any damage to the equipment or to the product. You know, plastic is common in, uh, you know, in jet engines where they're blasting them. They want to clean them, but you don't want to remove material off that because the tolerances are so tight. Um, you know, so that, that's going to play a role in it as well. So it's not necessarily, yeah. if it's more aggressive, it's going to be definitely not going to be better for you. Really, really have to, meat is a tricky one. You really have to see, you know, what are you blasting? What kind of profile do you want? Um, so you're picking your media, then you're picking the size of the media, mm-hmm. um, depending on, you know, profile is the, you know, on steel, a profile is like a little, when you blast it, kind of like little peaks and valleys, you know, makes the surface rough, you know, feels rough. But if you look under a microscope, it's actually like little, little peaks and valleys up and down mm-hmm. in there, um, which is what your coating goes on and then kind of grabs onto. So without that, and it's nice and smooth, it, the coating's going to fail. You know, eventually it's going to fall off. Um, you want you want that profile on there to, to for the coating to grip. Mm-hmm. You don't want too much profile. Otherwise, you need a lot of coating to fill in all those peaks and valleys. So it's kind of a, a little more precise than 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 you might think. It just, oh, I'll just blast mm-hmm. this and paint it. Depends on, on what you're doing. Yeah. Be pretty, uh, with that kind of process, is there any like data acquisition? Like, do you have um, any kind of sensors like feeding, showing like the peaks and valleys? Yes. Yep. That okay. Tell profile, profile yep. depth, uh-huh. coating depth. You okay. Know, when, cool. When she coats something, yeah, it'll measure the thickness in mils of the like your paint, or your powder coat, whatever the coating mm-hmm. is. 
um, as well as you can check that profile as well to see how, how deep it is. Okay, cool. So there is testing that's done. And again, depending on, on what it is you're doing, aerospace, mm -hmm. you know, heavily tested, uh, military, you know, when they're, when they're painting, depending on what you're doing, you're painting a fighter jet that's ripping through the sky at, you know, 1500 yeah. miles an hour, then they, it, it's very precise what they're doing. Yeah, uh, that's the, awesome. the farmer who's repainting his tractor because it's all rusty, doesn't really care. He's just blasting yeah. off the rust and painting yep. it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So depending you... on the industry, yeah, there's a lot more, uh, can be a lot more specs and details involved. Mm -hmm. So I guess to kind of add on to that, so do you typically want to pick um, the material based on potential material removal and stuff like that too? Is, is that a risk that you find a lot? Um, and, you know, how, how, are you, how are you picking your equipment? You know, I know you've mentioned that one thing you've done is really revamp Titan's product line. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've noticed on your website there's very large blast rooms um, down to smaller blast chambers. Um, so I guess how, how do you kind of determine, you know, what's the best way to go? As far as a, a, the equipment, mm -hmm. the, the blast room versus what would be like a blast cabinet, you know, blast room obviously is, is large, like a paint booth. You can pull yeah. whatever a car in there or a tractor trailer, a dump truck, an airplane, um, blast cabinets usually have, have the gloves in there. So you're standing on the outside, usually for, for smaller parts. Um, really, the, the main thing that brings that down is what you're blasting, the size of the, of the product you're blasting and the quantity, how many you want to do, what's your production rate, you know, are you, are you doing, you know, a couple a day, or are you doing hundreds, thousands of them a day? Um, you know, cabinets work well for, for smaller parts. Um, you can put a lot of little parts in there, um, you know, open the door, load it full of parts, and the guy's just in there with gloves. He can, you know, flip through different parts, blast them, set them aside. You have a little gun to blow them off, um, and then open it and uh, bring them out and reload. Um, your, your, your rooms are going to be, you know, much larger items, or if you have an item that might fit in a cabinet, but you have 50 of them to blast, it gets time consuming that the loading and unloading of them, people like them because you're on the outside, you're in, you know, everyday clothes. There's not yep. really any PPE required. Um, but as a, if production's your, your, your goal, you can, you might be able to take 10 of those parts and put them in a blast room. Granted, a guy has to put a suit on, but him going in there with, with 10 can blast 10 parts in much less time than a guy's going to be able to load one by one, load them in and out of a cabinet. You know, especially mm -hmm. if they're heavy too, and you're, you know, you're kind of limited on your arms, um, you know, what you can move them around. Um, so that's are something you, to determine. Are you seeing more robots brought into sandblasting? I mean, is that something that is, is, is there more like automation in terms of sandblasting? Automation's getting bigger in, in blasting. Um, it's a, a little tricky. It ha yeah. has been in the past because now everyone's like, oh, let's put a robot in there. But in that blast environment, you always mm -hmm. have to think of the blast environment. So like, hey, we're going to take our million dollar robot and put it in a blast room. Well, now it just got blasted. You know, so everything's got to be designed for that environment yeah. that it can it can get blasted and not damage itself. You know, right. so you certainly don't want to you know destroy your million dollar robot on the first day because you put it in a blast room. Um, so everything has to be geared around that for that for the environment, for what we're what we're doing. Um, but they, they are, they're, they're used in rooms now. Um, ma mainly the robots are for repetition, something you're mm -hmm. blasting a lot. Mm -hmm. Same with welding, you know, the welding robots yeah. are great too on something you're making, you know, a hundred of that it's doing that same thing. If your product's always changing, which a lot of our customers are, it's always different size parts. It would be really time consuming to program robots to do, 
you know, 50 different style parts and it's changing, you know, they're, they're good for that repetition. Um, mm-hmm. but they are becoming, coming common for that. So that everything, I guess, has, has its place and what they want to do. Um, yep. but so, some of it's just quicker with, with a person mm-hmm. that's changing too. a guy knows, you know, what he's doing can get in yep. other places. You don't have to really train or teach the robot as much. Um, so a lot of times people that I, we have on, on the show, um, will, will tell us that, you know, we're doing things, you know, everyday parts that you're seeing or using, um, use our technology or use our product and you probably don't know it. Um, I'm sure that's not any different for abrasive blasting that, um, this process is used on, you know, um, a multitude of products that would shock a lot of people, uh, do you have anything that you can talk about that would kind of, you know, oh, I never would have thought that that would have been used in an abrasive blasting process? Ah, uh, yeah, there's quite a quite quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit, yeah. And I think it's the the industry that doesn't people don't think about it. They know things get coded, but no one thinks about what happens before that gets coded. Mm-hmm. So pretty much anything that has a coating on it mm-hmm. got more than likely got blasted or it got, you know, was done with chemicals, which a lot, a lot of is switching. You know, we get a lot of the yeah. chemical people coming to us because it's sick of using the chemicals and same thing, getting rid of them, the hazmat issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it has a coating on there, something was done to it. Normally it was blasted to get that coating to stick. Um, not everything is coated. Um, we have a company that makes a large company that makes uh, pet food. I, okay. thought they, I thought they just made food. I didn't realize they did pet yeah. food as well. Yeah. Um, they make pet food, and I wondered what they're – they bought blast machines from us. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with – I had to call them up. What are you doing yeah. with pet food and blast machines? Are you yeah. blasting pet food? It's the – like the little dog food gets goes through these troughs, and it after it's made into little giblets, it, it gets coated. There's something that coats mm-hmm. it to kind of seal it. Well, that coating mm-hmm. is almost like – sugary you know so it, it mm-hmm. lines all their equipment gets sticky and covered with this coating oh, so they have yeah. to blast it off just to clean it um okay it's, it's probably all, all stainless steel stuff that yeah. it's going through because it's they they have yeah. the same you know standards as the food industry you know so yep. they have to mm-hmm. pet food they, they keep to the same standards um and they have they have to clean this so but they're cleaning their equipment not yeah, the that's product. their equipment with it yeah and they're not necessarily, the blasting is just in that aspect, it's just cleaning. It's not yeah. preparing a surface. They're not profiling. They're just cleaning that material off so that they can, you know, keep using it, um, which is similar to like molds. People use big mm-hmm. uh, molds that'll make, uh, you know, vacuum molds or yep. fiberglass that they use that mold so many times and it kind of gets gunked up, stuff sticks to it and they have to clean it. They're not really looking to remove any material from their mold. They just want to clean mm-hmm. the, the leftover gunk off of it so they can use it again. Um, the pet yeah. food company actually used, they were using salt, which is kind of strange because they had a lot of salt because they mm-hmm. used, they used salt and yep. making their materials. Yeah. We thought we had all this salt. We thought it'd be great. We're using salt. So yeah. It's probably, probably not the best choice salt because it's, it's very caustic. Yep. Uh, and they're like, yep, we figured that one out, that everything mm-hmm. in the room that we're blasting with is rusting now because the yep. salt is getting oh on my it. God. Um, I told them switch. I'm sure you have a lot of other stuff. I told you baking soda sitting around, dump baking soda yeah, in it yeah. and clean it yep. with that. And it's, it's not going to be as a, you know, yep. harsh on that material and everything else. 
Um, I think they were just using because they had a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't of recommend so, salt for anything other than no. Uh -oh. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, and like the ice on your driveway. Yeah. <laughs> yes, if you want to melt some ice off your driveway, that'd be pretty good for that. But no, mm -hmm. you definitely don't want it near metal. Definitely don't want to be blasting with it. And they even said that, yeah, our blaster says for weeks he's been tasting salt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just like in the air Everyone, now. Everyone, all this salt dust. Yeah. Oh, wow. What percentage of your business do you think is just like maintenance and cleaning versus like using it for a new product or something? Um, probably 10% maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the, and the cleaning can be different. Like stainless steel, we do a lot in, you know, food equipment manufacturers. Mm -hmm. you know, so everything is made out of stainless steel. Mm -hmm. And they too are not, they're not coating the stainless because it's stainless steel. That food industry all wants all the equipment yep. stainless, but when they're done fabricating it and welding it, you know, it can have like discoloration on it from the welding sure. um, coating. So they just want a nice uniform finish on it. So they'll actually mm -hmm. use glass bead, anything mm -hmm. that's a, like steel shot glass bead, anything that sounds like it's round it is. And that little round bead, when it hits it, it just um, gives it a nice sheen. You know, mm -hmm. it, it cleans it and gives it a nice uniform look to it. So it so it looks pretty is pretty much what yeah, they want. They, sure. they don't want something aggressive that's going to profile it and make it rough. They, they just want to clean it off and give it a nice matte uniform mm -hmm. finish. Um, so that's a one of the surface preparation, yeah. but they're, they're not coating it. It's just kind of a cleaning. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are others in the, in the mold, the mold industry cleaning their molds is, is yeah. a thing. Um, not, not everybody's coating something. Right. And then where do you, um, get your materials? So like you said, plastic, is that like recycled plastic or is it a certain kind of plastic? Yep. There's all different kinds of plastic that it's made mm -hmm. out of. Sometimes sure. It's mixed, mixed with different types of plastic in there. Um, so mm -hmm. if you look at, I don't have any in front of me, if you look at the plastic, everything looks like, like sand would look. Everything yeah. looks the same. Yeah, yeah. grains like that. You hold it in your hand, you're like, oh, little grains. But like steel, it looks like it's just steel sand, basically, is mm -hmm. what it looks like. Heavy um, but sand. Really <laughs> heavy sand. <Yeah>. That's, <laughs> that's the tricky thing with medias. Plastic, super light. A drum mm -hmm. of 55-gallon drum of plastic, you can pick it up by hand. It's like a 55-gallon gallon drum of steel grit is about 2,000 pounds. Oh, wow. Put it on a skid and all this wants to crush the skid. Yeah. So, uh, much different in, in, in the types right. of materials. Um, mixing of them, even steel grit, people mm -hmm. get mixes of them of a couple different sizes. So there's a lot of um, you know, kind of like recipes you're using to make that perfect mm -hmm. material for your application. And a lot of yeah. it is just trial and error. You know, you get the equipment and they have to, you have to test and figure out what, what works best. There's not, mm -hmm. not always as simple as, hey, just use, you know, this type of media and this mesh size and, and you're good to go. Um, sometimes there's a little little bit of testing involved. Yeah, sure. Cool. Well, um, Brandon, uh, I I want to kind of give you an opportunity. Is there is there anything um, that we haven't talked about that you kind of like to talk about, whether it be Titan Abrasive or Abrasive Industry in general, um, to kind of shed some more light on the industry and, and talk about a little bit about what I mean. You I know you've done quite a bit with Titan, um, but is there anything else that you'd want to kind of mention? Um, we, we never talked about your blasting background, which is kind of, <laughs> oh. oh, my blasting background is, is very, oh, no. uh, so we bought, uh, a piece of junk, uh, for a very cheap price. Um, I don't yeah. think the hoses were all damaged. Um, but, uh, basically someone said, you know, 500 bucks, it's yours. Here's all the material. Um, it was sand. Um, but I don't really think we were using the right sand for the chamber. Um, and, uh, we hit about, 
25 to 30, um, pretty much 13 inch tubes, uh, all powder coated, uh, but they all had to get remachined and all this stuff. And we needed to basically remove all the paint off of them. So I sat at that chamber and, and the chamber had to be left open a little bit because the tube was too big for the chamber we had. So, uh, when I said it was a disaster, it was, it was a disaster. We basically threw tarps on the ground, um, uh, and just had a vacuum going basically the whole time, just trying to suck up anything. And I had to sit there as an intern and, and sandblast, uh, 25 of these tubes. Um, and I think, I think what the issue was is our, our, it's either the nozzle was too big for the sand or the sand was, you know, or too big, but it just, it was, it, when I, cause I brought up the robots because part of the issue was, is I had to move super, super slow mm-hmm. to kind of get it. Otherwise, um, it just wouldn't remove it. And so, um, it probably took me about a better part of a week to do all 25, you know, wow. that's eight hours a day, basically. <laughs> just sitting there. And, uh, and yeah, it made a mess. Um, and, and, and Promess is a pretty clean environment uh, in terms of the technology <laughs> yeah. that we have. All electric, so, so very clean. Uh, all electric. We have, you know, boards, exposed circuits, boards, wow. all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, not, not a lot of people were very happy about the amount of sand <laughs> that was mm-hmm. on our floor. And uh, I th- that was the last time we ever used it, and we got rid of it. Um, and I think it was it would have almost been cheaper just to send it out and have it done. Um, but we thought it'd be a good deal. We thought it, there would be a lot of use for it. And then after that, we just never used it again. And I think a lot of it was because we didn't have the right setup. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's where the benefit of having someone like Titan come in and say, this is what you would need, um, would be a big thing. Cause maybe, uh, plastic would have been obviously maybe the better media if we're just trying to remove paint mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and no one would have been mad at me for that. So, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was, that was, that was it. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm probably like a lot of the listeners. I, I tend to fall in the, the rabbit hole of YouTube videos and yep. just watching people sandblast. Yeah. Or, or I razor can imagine blast things. that's super satisfying to watch. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah. and it's just, it's, it's amazing what you can see, like the difference, right? Because you can see it coming off and you can see like it just break it right back down to, uh, you know, good material, like especially when it's rusty. And then all of a sudden yep. all that rust is gone and you're like, wow, that, that's a very functional part again. Uh-huh. And it's just amazing what it can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing too, putting a piece, the, the, the worst looking part I can find. Yeah something rusty old paint mm-hmm. on it and throw it in a blast cabinet and blast it. And when you're done, it looks like you just made it, it looks like yeah. brand new yeah. steel, it, you know, and ready for coating. And it's mm-hmm. no one would believe that that's what it looked like before that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't know many other industries that can really show that before and after type mm-hmm. thing. It's very effective and have yeah, that same type of effect of mm-hmm. look what yeah. we can do to your parts uh-huh. yeah. and, and very quickly. Yep. It can do it. Yeah. And opposed to, um, you know, like manually doing it, grinding mm-hmm. wheels, uh, yeah. the blasting, it, it's quicker and it gets yeah. in everywhere. Every yeah. little angle, you know, something's at a 90 degree angle trying to sand in there or get a grinder in there, you can't. But blasting, psh, media goes anywhere. Gets right, right. in those corners mm-hmm. and cleans everything up. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty fascinating. Your, your experience is, is not unique. I think a lot of people... <laughs> 
I don't yeah. realize how messy it's going to be. <laughs> yep. No messy or, or they're going to try mm -hmm. it. And there's a, the blasting world is kind of, kind of separated in, in different categories. There's the, what I call kind of more like the homeowner stuff um, line. And then you have like mm -hmm. industrial where obviously mm -hmm. the industrial side, we get the people that call that are, you know, Hey, I, I need a blast cabinet. Cause I'm working on my car. <laughs> want to mm -hmm. blast some brake drums in the garage They're They don't want one of our cabinets. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, yeah. it works great for them, but they, they're, they're expensive. Um, yeah. they're designed to be used, you know, every single day, multiple shifts a day, seven days a week. Um, whereas the, you know, less expensive cabinets that are designed for that homeowner to, you know, on the weekend blast, blast something at, uh, at home working on his car. They're great for that. Put that yeah. in the industrial environment. Uh, it's going to be burnt out in a day, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Won't be happy. Um, that, Just that use your power washer at home. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're, you're, you might have even had a uh, suction. Suction's a, a less expensive okay. unit. You know, suction versus pressure. I mean, mm -hmm. the amount of force that that media can be propelled at um, mm -hmm. is a big difference. Uh, suction cabinets are, are less expensive, but much slower. You know, pressure mm -hmm. cabinets probably going to blast something probably five times as fast. Okay. So with, with the right cabinet, yeah, we could have taken your week probably into a day. Yeah. 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 Blasting. Right. Um, no, I would but, probably would have, if it was a one-time thing, we probably would have recommended that you do send it out to a, a blast mm -hmm. shop. You know, that's yeah. all they do. They'll do it quick. They'll get it done unless it's something you think you're going to be doing all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, mm -hmm. we're not always, uh, just we're a little different, not always trying to sell people equipment of ours, yeah. trying, trying to get, you know, what's, what's best for them. It's not always something, you know, we have a lot of customers that, that do send it out and they're looking to buy our equipment to bring it in house because mm -hmm. they want more control over it. You know, their transportation back and forth is hard on their product. So they want to bring it in so they can do it quicker. There's a lead time when they send it out. Um, but some people that just, it, it's better for them to send it out to someone if they're not doing very much of it. Um, so we, we mm -hmm. try to, uh, you know, help people and get them in the, what's going to be best for them. Not just, not just sell them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, we told our, I told our paint guy, uh, I'm just giving these to you next time and you're going to have to figure out how to clean these. <laughs> so so uh, I'll pay for it, but, but yeah, no, it's definitely. And, and, and I think that's, I think that's good um, to mention though, that, you know, it's, you know, there is a difference and, you know, we're not going to try to oversell you something that you don't need. And, and that's, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, I think that's good for everyone. Um, well, well, Brandon, uh, thank you so much. Um, this has been this has been great. Uh, I've learned a lot. In this, I've this learned episode. a lot. This is impressive. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I think what you're doing is great. Um, I've I've perused your website. Uh, a lot of cool things on there. Um, uh, it, it looks it looks very nice. Um, so so thank you so much. Um, and uh, thank you for everyone listening. Until next time. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Promise Incorporated, hosted by Matthew Rawl, produced by myself, Lauren Rawl, mixed and edited by Ben Parsons. Please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at podcast at promiseinc.com. Thank you.